Do you ever hear voices uh, in your head, voices that aren't there? I'm glad you didn't raise your hand because you probably shouldn't tell anybody if that's happening, uh, except your therapist. Definitely tell your therapist about that. If you um, are old enough to have seen movies in the early 2000s, you may have seen a movie called A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. It's a movie adaptation of a true story um, uh, about a professor, a Nobel Prize winning uh, professor, John Nash. He won a Nobel Prize in the area of economics. Brilliant uh, person. Uh, but uh, Professor Nash also suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. And uh, much of the movie is about how he would hear voices. In the movie, he would see people who weren't there. He would hear voices that weren't actually speaking to him. His mind had a way of seeing patterns and connecting things. And sometimes that just, because of uh, his uh, mental health, sometimes that just ran away from him. One of the most endearing scenes in the movie, if you, if you ever see it, is towards the end, uh, Professor Nash is ending a class. He's been lecturing. He ends a class. He walks out the door, and he's saying goodbye to all of his students as they leave his classroom. And as he does, an older gentleman walks up next to him. Now, you find out in a few minutes that this older gentleman is a representative from the Nobel Prize, and he's there to inform uh, Dr. Nash, that he's being considered for a Nobel Prize in economics. But you don't know that immediately. This gentleman walks up and introduces uh, himself, says hello to Dr. Nash, asks if he could speak to him. And as one of the students is coming out, Dr. Nash stops her and says, do you see him? <laughs> and she says, yes. And then he says, are you sure? And she laughs, and she says, yes, there's an actual person standing there. And so after he has this interaction, Dr. Nash turns to uh, the gentleman and says, forgive me, I'm always suspicious of new people. But now that I know you're real, what do you want and what can I do for you? Because he had a, a life of experiences where his mind told him things were true that weren't true, he had become suspicious of what his own mind told him. Because for all of his life, he had heard voices that weren't really there, saw people who weren't really there. His mind had completely fooled him. Now that he was older and he knew that about himself and he had received proper treatment and was on good medication, he still knew, I have to question what I see. I have to question what I hear. I have to question what my, what my mind tells me. We're studying uh, the book of 1 John. And last week in 1 John chapter 2, uh, John warned us about two experiences we're going to have in the world. Right? One is experience is there's a current in life, in the world. It's a current to our experiences. And that current is always trying to pull us away from God. Throughout our whole life, there'll be this undertow constantly trying to get us to put things ahead of God, push God to the background, crowd God out in our life, in our thinking, in our worship, in our mind that's going to always be going in our life. And we're going to have to fight against that. And then the second thing he warned us about was that there were going to be people, he called them false teachers, called them antichrist even, 
they're going to work against what God is trying to do in your life. They're going to tell you it's okay to jump in that current. They're going to back up this world that's trying to pull you away from God. There are always going to be people who show up in our lives and tell us the wrong things. Now, now we said that John, uh, in his writing of this letter, he's very cyclical in his arguments. In other words, he doesn't pick a topic and stay with it. He starts a topic, leaves it, and then comes back. And so I want to pick up on that second point, this, this false voice that he's talking about, because he comes back to it in 1 John chapter 4. And, and, and he reiterates, there are going to be people that are going to try to talk you into things that you shouldn't go with. You shouldn't believe, not always in overt ways, not in a you should hate God way. It's not always clear that that's what they're doing. In subtle ways, voices are going to try to speak into your life and get you to believe things that aren't true. Here's how John talks about it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Do not believe every spirit. John's trying to draw a distinction between what is truly from the Spirit of God and therefore true. What is real, as Dr. Nash would say, is this real? What is real, what is true, and what the messages that you'll hear from this world that maybe sound real, they may sound true, they may even appeal to certain parts of you, but you've got to ask, is this true? Is this real? You've got to test the spirit, that's what he calls it, the spirits, right? Because there, there are messages that come from the spirit of God, and there are messages that just don't align with what God wants for your life. They just, they just don't align with the truth that God is trying to put into our minds, John says, you need to test the things that you hear. He, he's not trying to make us all cynics. I'm not trying to make us all cynics, right? We should not be cynical, but I think we should be discerning. That's what John's saying. You shouldn't be cynical. You don't need to be jaded, but you need to be discerning. You need to put your mind to work when it comes to the messages that the world is trying to give you like Professor Nash. You need to push back every once in a while from what you're hearing in the world and say, is this real? Is this true? Is this accurate? Should I believe this? Should I adopt this in my own thinking? In, in Colossians chapter 2, Paul says it this way. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. See to it that nobody fools you. See to it that your mind doesn't give in to something that's not true. It is the height of arrogance to think that I'm always right, isn't it? It's the height of arrogance to think that I could never be deceived, to think that I could never be wrong about something. It's humility that says, the longer I live in this world, the more I have to ask hard questions about what I'm going to believe and what I'm going to accept and the way I'm going to think it's humility that causes us to ask, is this real? Is this true? Should I build my life on that? That's what John's saying. Don't mindlessly accept everything you hear in this world. Don't mindlessly adopt everything that, that people tell you in this world. Now, part of the challenge in doing that 
is that what's false and what's true often sound very similar. Things that are false almost never present themselves as something that seems false. They always present themselves as if they could be true, maybe even logical, reasonable. Of course you should think this way. What's false and what's true, they often sound very similar because usually it's a mixture of false and true that we hear in the world. If you've ever played the game, sometimes it's used as an icebreaker in groups. Uh, the, the game Two Truths and a Lie, if you ever played this game where you go around the circle and as a way of getting to know everybody, each person shares two things that are true about them and one thing that's a lie, and then the group is supposed to guess which is the lie. And the people are really good at playing this game. They know how to make the lie sound like it could be true. Right? So everybody's left to wonder which is the lie and which is the truth. This is the way false messages work in our world. They don't present themselves as something false. They, they sound reasonable at times. They, they make you think you should believe them at times. John says you've got to test the messages that you're hearing. You've got to question things, not in a cynical way, but you've got to ask questions. Genesis chapter 3, when, when Adam and Eve are deceived by the tempter in the garden, the deceiver in the garden, the, the deceptive one doesn't tell them things that are completely false. He just mixes in a little bit of false with truth. He just stretches it just a little bit. Questioning what God said, adding a little bit here or there. This is the way false messages work in our society. It's, it's that mixture of what's false and it's true that can be so deceptive. And the, and, and the people who speak things that are false often speak them very confidently. Have you noticed this? People who are often the most deceived are the most confident that they're not deceived. They speak as if they know what they're saying is the truth. And we have to dissect some of that. That leads to another problem, and that is separating the packaging of what's communicated from what's being communicated. Because the content and the form of communication are not the same thing. And sometimes it can be confusing to differentiate the two. The content is not the same as the communication. And sometimes we hear communication and we like the person that's doing the communicating or the style that they're communicating in. And so we accept their content, failing to realize that the, the content and the way it's presented aren't the same thing. There's a number of ways we do this in our society, um, even as as vapid and immature as sometimes we accept what someone is saying just because we like the, per, the look of the person who's saying it. Right? This looks like somebody that I would generally believe in, and so I just believe what they say. Right? This is where we are in some places in our culture, is as long as they look a certain way, then I just accept what they have to say. Sometimes it's driven by personality, um, we, we all have different personalities. We communicate in different ways and we receive communication in different ways. And if somebody speaks 
in the style that resonates with us, we accept what they have to say because they say it the way we like it said, right? Enneagram 8s communicate in a certain way that Enneagram 9s do not. Hard-charging type A persons, they communicate in a way that introverted melancholy types don't. And sometimes, if someone just appeals, just makes their argument in the style that you are most ready to accept, then you accept the content because of the style that it was given in. Even, even in, in preaching and teaching and communicating spiritual things, some of us grew up with very confrontational forms of communicating spiritual truth. Uh, very loud forms of communicating spiritual truth. And every Sunday was really loud and tended to be angry and seemed really confrontational. And you feared the pastor was going to have an aneurysm every single Sunday because the veins and the red and the, the sweat and that whole thing. And that's kind of what you grew up in. And if that resonated with you, if you're not careful... That style, not the content that's being communicated, will sway whether you think they're teaching something that's accurate or not. Right? Like for some people, their interaction with spiritual teaching is he sounds really angry. This must be biblical, right? This must be really good preaching because he's really angry. About, and he may be telling the truth. I'm not saying those never go together. What I'm saying is loud doesn't always mean true. Loud doesn't always mean false. Others of you grew up in a completely different uh, spiritual environment, uh, maybe more liturgical or maybe a more intellectual, conversational form of communication. And so when you hear that, it resonates with you and you think, okay, this person must know what they're talking about. And that may be true. And it may not be true. The reality I'm trying to get you to, to see is that style is not the same as content. The way a message is presented is not the same thing as presenting something that's accurate. And even in styles that we like, from people that we like, in a communication form that we like, we have to be John Nash every once in a while. We have to push back and ask, but is this true what they're saying? I like the way they're saying it, but is it true? Is it real? Does it reflect Jesus? Does it reflect God's word? Because here's the reality. There are some fabulously gifted communicators who have nothing of value to say. And at the same time, there are some very terrible communicators who have nothing to say as well. I've seen all extremes. The style doesn't automatically make it true. That's why John said 2,000 years ago, you got to test what you're hearing in this world. God gave us a brain. God gave us a mind. John says, please use it. Please use it to assess whether this is true, accurate. Does this reflect who Jesus is? Does it honor God's word? Test the things that you're hearing in this world, sometimes we default to groupthink in our world. Right? Sometimes we default to, well, the group that I identify with says this is true, and so I think it's true. The group that I like has all decided this is true, and so it's going to be true 
for me. And then two weeks later, that group decides the opposite's true. And, and we're seeing it all the time, aren't we? Okay, I think the opposite now because my group now thinks the opposite. And John would say, push back. Push back. Take a deep breath. Ask yourself, is this real? Is this true? Is this from God? Is this honoring to Jesus? And then John gives a test. He gives a test. This is verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. It's opposed to God, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Now, John had a very specific context that he's writing in. Okay, and so we've got to kind of understand his context, and then we've got to lift the principle out and put it over into our world. The specific context that John is dealing with is there were specific, actual, false teachers that were leading people away from God. And they were teaching a couple of different streams of, of false ideas. One of them was that Jesus appeared in the world, but he, he wasn't physically here. It wasn't flesh that he had. It was more kind of like an, uh, a ghost, an appearance of Jesus, but but they believed that the flesh is evil, and so they would not attribute actual flesh to Jesus. And John says, you know they're false teachers because Jesus, God, came in the flesh and lived and died and rose again in the flesh. And so you've got to reject that way of thinking. And then another false teaching that John was battling was, yes, Jesus came in the flesh, but he wasn't God. He had the Spirit of God for a brief time in his life, but Jesus wasn't actually God. He just worked according to the Spirit for these couple of years in his life. And John's saying, no, this is how you know who's telling the truth. The people who confess or acknowledge that God's Son, Jesus, came to earth in the flesh, lived, died, rose again physically, bodily, and that He is the Messiah. That's the test. Test number one, do they confess Jesus? Do they confess Jesus? Now, again, to balance this out, uh, John is not saying that we can't learn anything from people who aren't believers. That's not what he's saying. There's a lot we can learn. If your algebra teacher is an unbeliever, you can learn algebra from your unbelieving algebra teacher. There are lots of things we can learn from people who, who don't confess Jesus John is talking about the, the perspective we have on the world, who shapes that, our, our, our spiritual ideas, our ideas about how we relate to other people, the, the deepest spiritual convictions of us. John says you need to assess who is influencing all of that and make sure they confess Jesus. Now, confess or, or acknowledge, depend on your translation, those can be fairly weak words. Um, we could think confess, acknowledge as just to say it, and that's never what the Bible means when it says confess Jesus. When the Bible teaches us to confess or acknowledge Jesus, what the Bible is saying is that we have committed ourselves to Jesus. We are followers of Jesus. Our lives line up with the teachings of Jesus. We are striving to live the life of Jesus and become more like Jesus in this world. John says you need to examine who you're listening to and make sure they reflect Jesus. 
Make sure there's evidence that the Spirit of God is within them. Is that coming out of their lives? Part of the problem with being in a world where uh, what's valued is a very quick response or uh, a very uh, quick answer, which the Bible says is sin, by the way, because our world pushes us to always say something and take a position and have a, a, a position on issues, we will adopt what somebody says without really thinking it all the way through. So Sometimes we adopt what someone says because that's what I want to say, and I didn't say it, and so they said it. And so I'm going to agree with them. And John says, no, there's more to evaluating the messages that you're hearing in the world than just, do you like what they said? Or do you dislike the people that they dislike? There's, there's more to testing the spirit, examining for truth, than just making a quick response. John gives us a second test. You, dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. The false teachers are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. They have an audience. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of of falsehood. So one test is do they confess Jesus? I'm listening to the person that's talking. I'm trying to evaluate does this line up with Jesus? Does their life seem like it's committed to Jesus? But the second test is who is the audience that's listening to this person? Because John says there's two audiences. Right? There's you, he's talking to the church. There's you. You're an audience and you listen to the Spirit of God and your life is aligned with Jesus. You are reflecting the person of Jesus. And so you accept what's true. That audience accepts what's true and isn't fooled by the false teachers. I think there's a couple of reasons why that audience isn't fooled by the false teachers. One of the reasons is because of the power of community. Like this Spirit of God audience is not fooled because of the power of community speaking to them collectively. The Spirit of God lives in you, not just you individually, but you collectively. The Spirit of God is being experienced in you individually, but it's being experienced in your community collectively. It is as you are worshiping together, it's as you're joining in small groups together, it's as you're serving the kingdom together that you're helping each other discover what is true and what is false. You're guiding each other. It's another one of uh, the unfortunate side effects of the past couple of years as people have gotten more and more disconnected from a local church. They're not rubbing shoulders with people who love them and will challenge some of the things they think. They're not close enough to somebody who will generously, graciously say, you might want to rethink that. Somebody who loves them enough to say, can I push back on what you're saying just a little bit? 
See, this is the beauty of community. It's one of the beautiful things about being in community is that if I start to go off the deep end, some of you are going to say, you're starting to go off the deep end. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's accurate. One of the ways we walk in the Spirit is we walk together and we help each other discover what is true. You together have overcome what the world is trying to say to you. Another reason they aren't fooled is the obvious one. They aren't fooled because God's Spirit's in them. They've committed their life to Christ. The Spirit of God is at work in them and... They are yielding to that spirit. They're walking in that spirit. They're humble enough to allow the spirit of God to challenge some of the things that's happening in their life. Or or some of the the things they're beginning to believe. They're keeping in step with the spirit is the way Paul said it. Like I'm trying to walk with the spirit. I'm trying to listen to the spirit of God. I'm I'm trying to be humble humble enough to know that I could be wrong about some things. I could have missed some things. And John says, because of that, the spirit that's in you is going to help you overcome all of the false teaching that's in the world. Because there's this other audience. Verse 5, he tells us about this other audience. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. There's an audience for what is false. There is always an audience for what is false. We can look back through history time and time again. There is always an audience for what is false. And John says, you need to be careful of that audience. You need to make sure you are not in that audience. So the second test is is not just, am I living out Jesus? Is the person that I'm listening to reflecting the life of Jesus? But the second test would be, to look around and see who you're lining up with most. I mean, look around. Which of these audiences do you find yourself in the most? When you look around at the people that you most tend to agree with on whatever issue, the the people that you most tend to line up with, are they a group of people that, that reflect the name of Jesus in their life? Or are they not? I'll tell you that over the past several years, this is, this is one of the things that has helped guide me through all of the crazy issues that we've had to deal with. All of the challenges of the past few years is not the only tool that I use, but frequently as we walk through uh, these polarizing opinions of various issues, I've stepped back and I've asked, okay, who's on this side of the issue and who's on this side? And of those groups... Which one of them is generally made up of people that I trust their wisdom and I trust their discernment and I see Jesus in them and I see them trying to live out the life of Jesus and which of them have I tried to avoid my whole life? Which of them has always seemed crazy to me? Just one of the ways for me As I'm looking at these issues, I I just ask, which audience does this side seem to to gather? Is it an audience that I think of as wise people, discerning people, full of the Spirit of God people, or not? Even going back uh, 
farther than the past two or three or four years, probably the past 10 years, just in my spiritual life. As I've asked that John Nash question, is this real? I've had to reevaluate some even of the religious leaders that I've often been drawn to, that I've often read and trusted their insights. And and I've had to ask, are they speaking truth? Are, Are they on the side of what's real and true when it comes to this particular Issue and, and, and I'm not saying that my opinion is over everybody else's opinion. I'm just saying this is the one of the ways that I try to discern. I look at which audience is gravitating toward this person or this side or this side of an issue. And I ask, are those people that I typically think of as wise? That I typically trust their discernment? That seems to be what John is saying. These true and false voices are going to gather an audience, and you need to pay attention to those audiences. You need to pay attention who's on one side and on the other. Not not in a groupthink sort of way, but in an individual asking, do these people tend to make wise decisions? Do I tend to trust them? Now, John is dealing, as we said, with very specific false teaching in his time. And there was a handful of it. Sometimes the New Testament writers name them. Beware of this person. This person's going to harm you. Stay away from that person. Because it was a handful. It was like two or three or five. And it was just localized in their community. Fast forward 2,000 years. And we get thousands of messages every day, don't we? Thousands of people trying to sway our perspective on various topics. Trying to move our opinion on various topics. We we see it on television. We have 24-hour news cycles. We have social media. We have this constant appeal to our perspective, to the way we see the world, to truth. A a constant desire to pull us over to their side. And John's words seem even more true today. you got to test what you're hearing. You have to test it with wisdom and discernment. You have to test it. The, the, The truth is too important. What is real is too important. For us just to assimilate ideas into our minds. Just assimilate the words that we're hearing mindlessly day after day. Because thousands of messages are coming your way every single day. And thousands more the next day. And a thousand appeals every day. And people who speak confidently and arrogantly sometimes and boldly. And John says, you better test that. You better think about that. You better ask, is this real? Is this true? Test the spirit. Test the messages. Because the truth is too important. The truth is too important for us just to accept messages that we hear. God, we pray that you would stir in our hearts, stir in our minds, This need to be discerning. 
this need to grow in wisdom. Help us to receive what John is saying, that we would test what we hear. We would see it from a spiritual perspective. We would want to know, does this line up with who Jesus is, with what the Word says? We would want to assess who tends to gravitate towards that position. Is it people that I trust? Is it people that are wise? Because the current of this world is constantly trying to pull us away from Jesus. Constantly trying to pull our mind, our focus, our priorities away from the things of God. And so many of those voices sound confident, sound sure. But the question is, is it true? In Jesus' name, amen.